Amen. We've been talking about the three chairs, and I just want to just want to just remind you that uh, the first chair, the first chair is, is the chair of commitment. It's wholehearted servanthood to God. The second chair represents compromise, and and, and it's a place of. Uh, of of duplicity, where it just depends on who we're with and where we're at. Third chair is complacency. Complacency always leads to conflict. If you are complacent in any area of your life, it won't be long till you have conflict in that area of your life. If you're complacent in your marriage, uh, it won't be long till there's conflict in your marriage. If you're complacent in your finances, it won't be long till you have financial conflict. If you're complacent, it, well, you get the point. Okay, so complacency. Uh, Compromise and commitment. And what we're wanting to do is, is be a people who are committed to God. Right? Committed to God. And we talked about the fact that it's hard sometimes to differentiate when you're in chair two because in reality we could call that chair commitment as well. Because it, it's just not commitment to God. It's commitment to self. It's commitment to, to upbringing. It's commitment to society. It's commitment. I have made a commitment to fit in. Wrong commitment. So it's competing commitments. And it just, it, it's, it's, it's fluid. It's flexible. And, and, and you know, a lot of times we, we, we would, you know, most of us would say, well, we're not in, in, in this chair because this chair, you know, it, if, if we did it in the spiritual way, you know, Paul would describe the, uh, the third chair as the natural man. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, neither can he, for they are foolishness to him. But, but the things of God are received by the Spirit. So when a man is born again, his spirit comes alive. So he, he, he moves here. So in this chair of compromise, this is someone who has opened their life and received new life in Christ, but yet they have, uh, uh, they have yet chosen to surrender to God's total leadership in their life. And so this is, Paul would call this the, the carnal man, the carnal man. Uh, but this chair, this, Paul would say, this is the spirit man. And in Romans 8, 14, when it says, for as many as are led by the spirit, these are the sons of God. That would be a guy that's sitting in this chair. He's led, directed, instructed, corrected, convicted by the spirit of God. See, this guy lives by convictions. This guy lives by convenience. This, this guy is submitted to the Word of God. This guy respects the Word of God. And this guy owns a copy of the Word of God. Okay? There, there's a big difference. They, we, we look at it, but here's the deal. is All of us are fitting in these chairs and in different areas of our life, which is the problem that we kind of want to address today, is that there's different areas of our life where we're at different chairs, and you gotta, you got to understand something. It's kind of hard to sit in three chairs at one time unless you have another problem that we'll discuss at a later date. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say what shot through my brain. I'm not doing it. Okay, so, so we, we went and we looked at, 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 at a lot of stuff, uh, but last week we jumped into Ezra, the book of Ezra, and we'll, we'll put it up on the screen. Ezra declared a fast, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and basically all they did is, is the, the, you know, the, the fasting thing. It's just, man, we, we got we to gotta, we gotta do something that will awaken the spirit man in us so that, we, you know, this flesh man, we got we to get him under control because, we, you know, we're fighting. We're fighting. We've we got some big decisions. We've got a future in front of us, and we, we need to connect with God. And he said, we, we declared a fast and, and, uh, uh, that we might humble ourselves, that we might humble ourselves. How I many you know that that's not always easy? 
to, to humble ourselves because most of us, even though we, we might not like just broadcast it to the world, but most of us are pretty proud of ourselves. Huh? Isn't it amazing how smart we are? The Bible says, uh, the Bible says, call unto me and I'll answer, you, answer thee and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hidden things, secret things, fencing things, things you couldn't possibly know. I mean, God, you got God saying, hey, if you talk to me, I'll talk back. And I'll, gi- I'll give you wisdom, insight, revelation, discernment that you couldn't possibly possess. And we're going, hey, that's really cool. Thank you, God. And then we go do what we want. And we don't talk to God. Why? Because we think we already know. See, to humble yourself, this is a big deal. This is a big deal, and don't. And whatever you do today, try not to look around the room at people who really need to be listening. Because, you know, uh, we, we know nine or ten people that we're going to send this message to. <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe one of us in the room might catch something, right? And, 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 and that we might humble ourselves and seek him the right way for us. The right way. How many know there's a right way for your life? I don't care what, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what the situation is. It doesn't matter. And I'm not saying, and I always have to clarify this because people go, did you hear that? Pastor Tom doesn't care. You don't, don't twist this. Okay. You might be in the middle of a hellacious situation, man. This has been a crazy week, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, I mean, yesterday had funerals and weddings same day, and then, then there were baby dedications. There's all kinds of stuff. There's, life is happening. But in every situation, there is a right way for you. I said, in every situation, there is a right way. Even the situation that you created, God has a right way to lead you out of it. Even the storm that you had nothing to do with. You know, you, you know sometimes situations are my fault because, well, just because. Okay? Because I, I can create my own storms. Sometimes storms aren't my fault. It's because of people that are with me. We just need to pray. <laughs> Even those storms, God, there's a right way. God has a right way for you. And there's a right way for our little ones, our kids, it's actually a picture of our future, okay? It's a, there, there's a right way for us, and there's a right way for the generation that, that, we're, that we're pulling up to a new level. And it's important that we get this because, because here's, here's what happened is, is, is uh, it's easy to blame where we are on who we were following, okay? It's easy, it's easy to say, well, let me tell you why I am the way I am. Because, it, you, you know, if you think I'm bad, you should have met my dad. And, and, and that's, that's the natural response of a second chair mindset, that if you think I'm in a bad spot, you should have seen who was sitting over there. Uh, and, and the deal is, the, the, the deal is, is that if we are going to, to uh, elevate and, and uh, you know, and, and continue to carry the cause of Christ, we have to look at what's, what's the best way for those who are coming behind us, because they're following us. And, 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 and if we begin to waver, man, if we, if we allow duplicity into our life, then what we're selling as, as foundational truth, they ain't going to buy it because they, they can see that we don't always stand on it. You know, there's a right way for us and there's a right way for our possessions. 
And, and I, I really just, just for a second want to point out that there is a, uh, you know, there's kind of a rating system here if you'll, if you'll look at it. That, that, that your most valuable asset is not that which you have collected. But, but, but it's real, really it's our kids, it's our youth, it's this generation that we're pulling up. And, and that's where our investment needs to be because, the, uh, the, man, that, that's where it's at. You know, in, in, in the book of Joshua... Uh, I give you that one right, Joshua twenty four fourteen. He said, uh, "Fear the Lord, fear the, and it's not be afraid of him, but 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 man, be be respectful and and honor God and serve Him wholeheartedly. Come on, serve Him wholeheartedly, wholehearted. See, you, you got to ask yourself, am I a wholehearted servant of God or a half-hearted follower of Christ. You know, because a half-hearted follower of Christ, well, I'm not half-hearted. Well, well hold on, hold on. Don't, don't get too defensive. Uh, because what we have to do is we, we, have to, we, we have to discern where we are so that we can get to where we're going. But if you don't recognize where you're at, you might receive directions to where you're going that don't make any sense because you don't realize that they start from where you're at. And if you don't admit that's where you're at and you're looking at the directions that start from where you're at, you'll think that there must be a different way to get to where you're going because that's not where I am at. But, you know, wherever you are in life, there you shall be. You are there. You're there. You, you know, the, the, most of us are going to have to deal with, with, with this reality because, because we, we are complacent. We are satisfied with ourselves. We, we, are, we are happy with our current condition, but yet unaware of a potential danger or, or, or defect. We, we, we don't understand the weakness of our current position. And so we just hanging out there, and we end up being half-hearted in our pursuit of God things. And, and, and a half-hearted believer, you know I mean, look at what it says. Serve him with your whole heart and, and get rid of the idols of your life. Serve the Lord alone. Serve, serve the Lord alone. Man, don't, don't, be, don't be going after this other stuff. Man, but, but, but just serve God. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, it's time to serve God alone. Uh, if we read Joshua 23.3, he said, you know what, you guys, you, you've, you've seen what God has done for you. You've seen what God has done for you. And then in verse 6, he says, so be very strong and, 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 and careful to obey so that you don't turn aside to the right or to the left. Be, be, it's going to take some strength to serve God alone. It's going to take some strength to be wholehearted in your service to God, and you're going to have to be careful uh, to obey, and, and, and really, uh, you know, you got to be careful to hear, because you, listen, you can't, I'm trying to think how far down to break this, because, uh, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but you couldn't possibly be in obedience to God that you haven't received instruction from. So when he's saying be careful to obey, I mean, the, the first step of obedience is to hear. So we got to hear God, and then don't turn to the right or the left. Don't decide that, well, yeah, but you know what I think. What, what you think is what's going to kill you. There's a way that seems right to you, but the end is death. 
We've got to be careful to serve him wholeheartedly. And what happens is, is that, that what we do is we end up living uh, uh, you know, in the second chair most of the time, and there's, there's so much duplicity, and there, there's, it just depends on who, we, who we're with and where we're at and, 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 and how things are going to go. I mean, what's going to happen? What would happen if the church you made a decision that the work you had no intention of honoring? What happens when the church you gives an offering that the shopping network you can't afford. What happens when the church you is drawn to a devotion that competes with the football you? See, here's the deal, is that we work with one group we play with another. We eat with yet another group. We pray with yet another. And so in each group, they only know us in the context of that group. So as we enter into that group, we have the opportunity to reinvent ourselves in every group. But God, through his word, has made it very, very clear. He doesn't look at us in rows or in compartments or in a set of performances. You don't go to work and put on one act Come, to, you know, have lunch with the wife, put on a different act, go back to work, and somebody else shows up, oh, the, I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta change, you know, the, the, you know, I got to change because this is a different act. Go to church, put on yet another act. You're not a performer. See, it's a wisdom, it's a secular system of logic. That, that breaks you into individual people. God doesn't look at you that way. When he looks at you, he looks at you as a whole person. And when, when, when God's dealing with us, one of, the, one, of the, one of the vital core values that God wants to see in his children, see a son of God, there's two words in the, in, in the Greek for son, technon and weos. And technon is a son that's a, a child, of, by, by mere fact of childbirth, he is a son. But weos is a son who displays the characteristics of his father. He's a more mature, we could say an immature kid or, or a very mature son. And, and, and God's wanting us to become mature, but the core value, one of them that he's looking for in us is integrity. See, most of us would say, yes, I, I pursue integrity. Yeah, but you live a broken life. You're different over there than you are over here. And that is not an invitation to act like a, like a drunken sailor at church. It's a challenge to elevate your work life so the guy who attends services actually has a job. Because, are you with me? That the gal who is connected to God, who is in pursuit of godliness in her life, that she's not different off campus. Because this isn't where the game is played. This is the locker room. And the game's played out there. And what happens is, is that we carry a message to the world. We're, we're going to carry the cause of Christ, but we go out and in an attempt to fit in. Instead of living by conviction, we begin to live by comparison. And, we, you know, and, and, and hey, I, I might not be what God says I should be, but at least I'm not as bad as that idiot over there. And that's, God doesn't want you to barely beat out the idiot. Come on, he wants to empower you to be the whole you, the true you. 
that he's called you and created you to be. And see, uh, I can do all things through Christ who infuses me. You know, God's going to anoint you. Hmm, which you? The work you? The church you? The, you know, because, oh, I, check it out, man. A lot of the church yous are just as phony as the work yous. Because you've mistaken church activity for relevant relationship. I'm going to church. You're you're marking stuff off. How do we get here? Well, you you know what what happens is, uh, remember, we, we, we look at Joshua who says, man, as for me and my house, we're serving God. He puts his foot down. But Joshua had this crazy encounter with God. And then the elders that were behind him, you know, they, they saw the encounter and they saw the impact. And so they shared the stories. But the children of the elders that the Bible says, and Judges said the children of the elders, they didn't even know God. Neither had they even heard his stories. They didn't know nothing about it. It was foreign to them. They heard, they heard the generation ahead of them talk about this, this thing that had happened. But, but the third generation, they didn't buy into it because the second generation didn't actually live like it was true. Well, yeah, that's just one place. Okay, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, the grandson of the father of our faith, spent most of his life fighting against God. How about David, then Solomon, and and then Rehoboam? Rehoboam was a, David was like the best king that the children of God had ever had, and his grandson was like one of the worst. What's with this shift? See, there's a reason God's looking at you saying, don't you turn to the left or the right. Because it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. Man, you, you know what? You, you might look up ahead and you might be able to find faults with those who've gone on before you, but that's not an excuse for you to get worse. Man, the thing that God's calling us to is wholeness for us and our children and even the stuff he's pouring into our life. See, it's one thing to stand on the platform and, and to preach the message, but, but you know what? If, if I can't live it in my house, then I'm building my life on the sands of hypocrisy. You know, we can, get, we can all join together and sing, you know, I give you my worship. I give you my whole heart. Fill me with passion. But if you have passions that are bigger than him, I mean, if, if, if you weigh out, you know, if you weigh things out, it, well, am I going to do what God says or am I going to do what I want? You're a performer. Who am I with? Where am I at? Who's going to follow? Well, see, here's the deal, is that all three of those key leaders in the Bible, they all had insane encounters with God. They had moments you know, when God showed up, they were in situations that there's no way they could have made it on their own, and, and yet somehow he brought them through. And, and, and he'd speak, and they'd have to obey, right? He'd speak, and they'd have to obey. And it's not enough to know someone who's had an encounter because that just isn't life-changing. It's encouraging. It's inspiring. But when the heat's on, it's also something that you might walk away from instead of something that would keep you anchored. 
I, I remember, uh, you know, there have been a lot of moments in, in my life, and, and I know, I know there's, there's tons of testimonies here, but, but uh, uh, I, I remember a moment in my life when I was about eight years old, and we were in a, uh, you know, I didn't have an actual normal childhood. You know, we traveled around doing church services all the time, and we had a tent, and we did two-a-days, and, and uh, 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 we were in Coquille, Oregon. We were in a little country church in Coquille, Oregon. We were doing a week-long revival, and, and uh, uh uh, there was a gal that they brought in. She was also my age, and they, they carried her in and set her on the back pew. We, we had wooden pews, you know, th- that church did, and, and they, they, they laid her on the wooden pew because her mama played the piano, and they'd get there early, and I'd, I'd watch them carry her in and, and while they got ready for church, and so I'd have conversation with her. And I remember going to my dad and asking him, you know, hey, we're praying for everybody under the sun. We're doing everything we can, uh, but I want to pray. You know, I was just a little kid, but I, I want to pray for Adrian. I want to pray for the little girl. My dad pat me on the head. Okay, son, just, just wait, and and uh, on, it got to be about Friday night, and, and uh, he asked the mother, could, could my son, and it was even after service, could, could my son pray for your daughter? And sure, and they, they, they carried her up, and they laid her on the platform, and they let me pray for her, and, 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 and stuff that none of us actually believe in happened while she was laying there, because it took four men to hold her down on the floor, which, uh, you know, it was kind of a weird, freaky deal, okay? And then my, you know, and then they picked her up, and they carried her out, and my dad picked me up that night, sat me on his lap, and said, you okay? And I'm like, dude, I'm great. I finally got to pray for Adrian. Sunday morning, the, the, the children in that church, they brought them all up front. They put the boys on one side, the girls on the other side. They had pie tins and, 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 and pans, and they were banging them together called tin pan band. And, and they had this, this thing in the middle, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, what do they call it? Um, scale. And, and, you know, and they're having a penny march, and it's boys against the girls, and penny march because it's a prosperity church. And, um, and they're going down there. And because I was eight years old, they made me stand on the platform and play my guitar. So, so, and be with these kids and while, while they're singing this song. And Adrian, in the middle of that song, rolled over on her stomach in the back. And I'm standing up there watching this because the church isn't that big, you know. I mean, it might have been like five, six rows back. And so, so there, there she is. And she rolls over on her stomach and she scoots herself out to the center aisle and she props herself up. And here she comes walking with these metal braces on her legs, comes walking down the center aisle. Well, the place, the place erupts. I mean, there's literally people jumping over the pews, going, looking for cameras. They're going to get pictures of Adrian. You know, and the place, I mean, it's going wild. And my world went slow motion. And, you know, everybody else is freaking out, and I'm just standing there. <laughs> and, and it's not like an audible voice. It's not like the time I heard God say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It wasn't that moment. But it, <laughs> that was a joke. Okay, but... There was something in my spirit, just something as a kid, I just eight-year-old kid, and, and, and it's almost as if God spoke to me and said, you're going to do this stuff the rest of your life. And, you know, that moment, can I tell you something about that? That moment in my life, it changed the trajectory of my life. It, it controlled decisions that I would make 10 years later. Now, 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 you know, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, and, you know, a good 70 other people were in the room. It was a big church at least 70. And I don't think, though, that it impacted the way they made their decisions. Why? Because they didn't have the encounter. They just saw it, and they saw the impact that it had on me, and they, wow, that was really cool, and you know, the impact it had on Adrian, that was really nifty. And, but, but I had it. You know, it's, it's, it's like it changed. See, here's, here's what you need, is that you need to humble yourself. Now, as a little kid, I guess it was just easier. I've had more of those moments. It, well, here, let, let's make it really practical. See, a lot of you guys, a lot of you guys that are in here today, you weren't in the basement when we, when we started hooking up together and just praying about the future that God had for us. 
You, you, weren't, you, you, you didn't get to join us when we met in a Hispanic church in Pasco that had like seven parking spaces. And we had to walk down the street past a, past a pit bull that was chained to a fence that wanted to eat us for his lunch. You, you weren't with us when we were in there, and they had no air conditioning. Remember? And when, when we bought their church air conditioning. I'm like, if we're going to do church in here, we're cooling this place off. And, 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 and you, you might not have been with this when we, when we came over and got the room on, on clear water and, and uh, uh, had to move out all the, the, the furniture racks the, the, uh, and, and did what we could do to, to turn the room into a church. And you, you might not have been with us in that place. You might not have been around you know, when we uh, uh, bought a piece of property and then started circling it in prayer. Remember that, Al? You, you, you might not have been with us when we were out there, you know, walking around there believing that God was going to do something out on Riata Road and, and, and not realizing that, you know what, God had a plan, but it wasn't what we thought. See, and you might not have been at those places that, you know, that, that, that opened the door for God to move in miraculous ways, doing things that only God could do. You know, uh, you, you might not even have been around when I sat out on the patio, you know, before this property was ours and asked God for a patio like that and heard God say, don't ask me for the patio, ask me for the building. You might not have been here when we did the work inside here. You might have just showed up, walked in, thought, what are those ugly balls? And, 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 and look, look at that, look, look at that crazy screen. Uh, you know, you might not have had anything to do with it. And so, uh, you know, the future of the thing, uh, you know, is, is, is dependent upon how you see. See, we have to be careful that we don't live a life of duplicity because those behind us, they don't understand the sacrifice and the devotion and the dedication it took to get here. Now, it ain't your fault. It's not like it's your fault. Well, I just wandered in. If you don't want me here, let me. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that if we're not careful, we'll hand this baton to somebody someday who doesn't understand. Dude, it takes wholehearted servanthood, not half-hearted followership. Uh, you know, let me, let me talk to the baby boomers for a minute. Okay, baby boomers, what, what age are they? They're, uh, up to about 70, 45 to 70, somewhere in there, 45 to 70. Uh, you know, uh, let me talk to you about millennials, 13 to 24. Well, you could actually take millennials and Generation X and put them together because Generation X just kind of melts into both uh, millennials and baby boomers. And, and uh, you, you know, the, there, there's, there's a, and it's not just generational, but there is a generational slide. We can find it in the Bible. Well, why is there such a slide in the generations? Because they've been following us. And it's hard for us to imagine that. Because, you know, you know what a baby boomer has is he has decades of experience that he wants to share with those who are coming behind him so that they can certainly succeed. But it's hard to lend a hand to someone who doesn't think they need it. And the millennial, he doesn't, think he, he doesn't think he needs your hand. He thinks he needs your position. He, he, he'd like you to move so he can show you how to do it right. A millennial thinks someday he's going to be a millionaire. He might not ever have a job. 
But, 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 he, but he looks at the future, and he's filled with passion and desire. And the reality is, listen, listen to me, boomers. The, the, the reality is, is that a millennial, he'll get very passionate and very, I mean, he'll, he'll pour himself into something with meaning and don't even care about money. But we've got to learn how to communicate. Right? And that's our job. It's not the millennials' job. It's ours to figure out how, how, how to speak into their, into their life. and into their, Because I'm going to tell you something, man. Uh, you know, it's frustrating. Don't, millennials don't think that, that older people are just mean and grumpy and grouchy. No, they're frustrated and, and, and they're confused because they don't know how to share the wisdom. See, we spent decades finding out what will work and what won't work. And we watch you, with all your passion, do stuff that we know ain't going to work. See, but we have different definitions of words. See, a, a millennial, you say, be an owner, and he's thinking opportunity. You say the same thing to a baby woman, and he's thinking responsibility. See, they, they don't understand because they're looking at us, and we got to find a way to educate them. And the only way, the only way, the only way to get their ear is to earn their respect. And the only way to earn their respect is to demonstrate a lifestyle that doesn't turn to the left or to the right. Because the duplicity... The compromise, that speaks volumes. It's hard to say to a millennial, pour your heart into this when you don't. It's hard. And it's not, again, don't just, don't, just, don't just think millennials and baby boomers and traditionalists. and Don't just think that. But, but think chairs. Because some of you guys are really old millennials. Oh, I can hear the offense. <laughs> well, what's like it? It's the responsibility part. It really is. It's the responsibility. Why? Because you just showed up. You, you, don't, you don't get it. You didn't have the encounter. You didn't go through the experience. You, did, you didn't have to pour the devotion. And you didn't have the dedication. And you didn't have to make the sacrifice. You're just here. And, 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 and in church life, you know what? We have a tendency that when people start asking us to take uh, uh, responsibility, you know what we do? We just move to a different church. Say, I love, I love. Pastor, Tom. Pastor Tom. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want, <laughs> you want the right, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up, but you want the right way for you in your life, in your business, in your relationships? You know, the saddest people on the planet are not non-believers. The saddest people on the planet the most disillusioned, confused, frustrated people are second chair people. Because they're making commitments their church you is, that their work you isn't carrying out. They're, 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 they're praying prayers the church you is, that their family you doesn't align with. They have, they have beliefs and, 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 and hopes and dreams. But, they're, but they sabotage their own self. And that's what God was saying in his word when he said, listen, serve me wholeheartedly. See, because, see, half-hearted sounds harsh, but let me put it to you this way. Broken-hearted. Not whole. See, you're wounded and you can't find healing, yet you're connected to the healer. You're hopeless and in despair, yet you're connected to the Prince of Peace. 
you're, you're, you're destitute and can't make, but yet you serve Jehovah Jireh. Provision shall be seen. What, what's going on? What, what's going on? Let me tell you what's going on. You're broken hearted. Your heart, your thoughts, your, your decision-making process isn't whole. But we have good news. Because Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Oh, that's your shouting line right there. You need to thank him today. Jesus came to restore, renew, refresh, and, and, and to put you on a collision course with the purpose and the plan that, that he has for your life. See, you, you, uh, it's kind of like what you're saying in giving. You know, uh, it's going to be taken. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose. No, 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 no. Now, here's the way God works is, is, is really, you know, to make that illustration really powerful, I should have thrown one orange. And then, then when it's coming back and had 37 of them thrown up at the platform. Because that's how God works. You know, and when you, when you can humble yourself, when you can humble yourself and, and serve him wholehearted. Don't you think it's weird that, that, that there might be a moment when you show up at church and you look across the, you, you look down the hallway and you see somebody else from work and they show up at church and you're going, oh my God, I can't believe they're here. And they're at the other end of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, of the way there and they look at, oh my God, I can't believe he's here. And then you meet outside one of the garage doors before you come in and say, I didn't even know you were a believer. I didn't know you were either. Okay. Two guys born in abstract poverty put into human slavery, adopted by a king, positioned to win and succeed in every given situation in life, empowered to rule and to reign. But they don't talk about it outside the palace. Don't want nobody to know that I once was lost, but now I'm found. See, I need to fit in with, with the gang. And I start making decisions that keep moving me a little bit farther and a little bit farther and a little bit farther and a little bit farther. And the brokenness starts showing up in every realm of my life. God wants to heal that today. He, want, he wants to give you a boldness. That's probably something that, that I think that, that we need to speak into the life of the millennials. Be bold. Be bold. Don't, don't be so slouchy in church. Sit up. People talk to you, look them in the eye. Give them your attention. Realize, realize that the people around you want the best for you. Be open to receive. Be open to receive. Why? Because someday, and it probably won't be that long. You know, the days are long, but the years are fast. You know, man, we've had some long days. But it seems like just a couple of them, you know, we hauled these kids home in bassinets. What's well, going to seem like a flash Listen to me, you little snot-nosed millennial. <laughs> In just a flash, you won't just be doing the video stuff. You won't just be, you know, what's funny is everything up to this portion of the service brought to you by a millennial. But it won't stop there. You'll be running the place. What's scary, though, is that if you can't receive from us three weeks from now, if we were just pulled off the planet right now, three weeks from now, you wouldn't be able to figure out how, you know, why can't we get in that room? Because there's so much crap stacked up in there. How come, you know, what, what happened to that? It broke. You have to be responsible. You know, it's so funny to me. We have to be able to receive. We have to be able to, we have to be, be, be open. And, and guys, we need to take on the responsibility to find a way 
to let them know how much we believe in them. We need to take responsibility for the condition of our life, that we have so much duplicity that even people who live with us aren't sure if we're a wholehearted servant of God. You know, at the end of your life, I really am closing. I love to close messages. Sometimes I'll do it seven times. But at the end of our life, you know what's celebrated? Not our accumulation. Our generosity. The way we gave ourselves and who we gave ourselves to. When they talk about you at the end of your day, what are they going to say? He had a heart for God. He was wholehearted for Jesus. He did everything he could to promote the cause of Christ. Man, I don't care if I have a list of accumulated items or accomplishments. No, I, w- I want to promote the cause of Christ. And the fact is, is that God wants to make your life better. He wants to heal your family. He wants to bless you financially. He, he wants to position you with peace. But he needs a wholehearted servant. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to pray for you. Father, today we are here as your children. And many of us are in this position. God, we, we are brokenhearted. We are brokenhearted. Our, our heart is, is in a lot of places and scattered. And God, we ask that the mender of broken hearts would walk among us today. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do in the, in the lives of people who, who, who our heart is after you. But God, we want it to be the whole thing. We want you to give us insight, wisdom, revelation, discernment into our own life so that, we can, so that we can better serve you. We're not asking you to serve us. But as for me and my house, God, we, we want to be men and women of God who will make the statement, as for me and my house, we're serving God. We're serving you. While heads are still bowed, some of you in the room today, the first step towards wholeness is a surrender to God and an acceptance of the life that he offers through relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you, this might be the first time you've ever taken that step. Some, it's time to take that step again. It's time to say, you know what, God, I'm going to get real with you because I need you to be real in me. I don't want to be a performer. Man, I, I, I want to be a blood-bought, redeemed child of the living God. And I want to serve you. So I'm going to make this prayer. We're all going to pray a prayer together. And we're not going to call anybody out. Won't embarrass you. Won't have you stand. But if you're in this room today, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and you say, you know what? I'm making this prayer. I'm making this prayer my prayer. If that's you, while no one's looking, I just want you to hold your hand up high so I can agree with you. Thank 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 you. Come on, somebody. It's awesome. You can put them down. Hey. You know, some of you, God's he's, he's just working on you so hard right now. He has, he has such great plans for you. You need to let him, you need to let him guide. You need to realize that, you know what, you're so focused on your setback that you can't see your comeback.
comeback is going to cause you to forget the setback. Embrace him today. I want everybody in this place to pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love, your acceptance, your forgiveness. Come into my life and change me from the inside out. Give me hope. Give me strength. Give me vision. I choose to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout and a praise.